Welcome to the Passive Investing Show, a show that teaches you how to take your hard-earned cash and have it work hard for you, regardless of whether or not you continue to work hard for it. And now, here are your hosts, Jay Scott and Ashley Wilson. Welcome to the Passive Investing Show. I'm Ashley Wilson, and I'm joined here with my co-host, Jay Scott. On today's episode, we have a friend of mine, actually, from high school, Chayton Baga, who is the founder and CEO of Archetype Solutions Group. Yeah, so we talked to Chayton today, and I, I really liked this interview because Chayton has, with his company, figured out how to solve a problem um, that a lot of us in the um, investing operations world try and solve, and that's deal flow. And so Archetype Solutions Group is uh, basically a, um, a venture equity company. They're, they're a venture capital firm, but that's only one part of their business. The other part of their business focuses on providing uh, support and solutions to the companies that they invest in. So they provide uh, financial support like uh, uh, CTOs and they provide operational support um, and IT support and other things that these companies that they're investing in really need to get to the next level. So not only are they providing the financial support, but they're also providing a lot of the infrastructure these companies need to grow and to thrive. But in addition, by providing all this operational support, basically the company gets access to their, their, their companies they're investing in. They get access to their partners, their vendors, other companies they're working with, which ultimately ultimately leads to more deal flow. So basically, uh, Chayton has, has built a company that, that's great for both himself and his colleagues, his investors, and for the companies that they're investing in. It's just a, it's a, it's a really great model. I really love it. And I think you're going to love this episode. So without any further ado, let's welcome Chayton Baga to the show. Hi, Chayton. Welcome to the Passive Investing Show. Thank you. Absolutely. We are excited to have you here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and also about uh, how you started Archetype Solution Group? Sure, happy to do so. Um, so first off, Ashley, thanks for for having me here. Great to great to be with you. Um, little personal background: started my career in healthcare, uh, management consulting for pharma, biotech, little bit of medical device as well. So really have a grounding in healthcare data, effectively taking prescription data, building data marts, and then driving sales and marketing strategy um, for those types of clients that we just referenced, pharma, biotech, med device. Uh, had the opportunity after that to invest in an e-commerce company in the Philadelphia area. That went well, and on the tail end of that, started up Archetype in 2013 with the idea that it would be a investment fund that had consulting on the front end of it as a deal sourcing engine and also a differentiated deal acceleration engine. So wanted to invest in healthcare, primarily in the employee benefits sector um, as well as you know, digital health at large and some learning and development. And the idea was that we would consult for businesses that were you know, 30 to 300 million or so in revenue, help them build products and software products, software enabled services primarily, 
and also improve their distribution, both through strategy as well as strategic partnerships. And along the way, as we help those businesses grow, you get direct exposure to their vendor networks. So that's effectively our diligence, is as we help companies grow, we get exposure to vendor networks that those networks then constitute our deal flow. We invest in those companies out of our funds. And typically we're we're targeting companies that are two to seven million in revenue. So the way I would characterize us is a sort of late venture, early growth investor um, with strong operational add-ons to be able to help our companies grow. They can leverage our services at cost. Interesting. So basically uh, what I'm hearing is you're kind of two things at once. You're an incubator helping um, mid-sized growth companies um, basically take their their um, their their product to the next level. And at the same time, you're also a venture equity fund um, that helps finance those, uh, those companies as well. And the benefit that I'm hearing for doing the incubation side, um, certainly it always helps to have some control over your investments when you're helping them grow. Um, but in addition, by being able to build relationships with them, their vendors, their partners, and other companies they do business with, that also helps your deal pipeline as well. Would you say that's a, a fair uh, summary of, of what Archetype does? Yeah, that's fair. With a, a slight clarification, you know, the term incubator has an implication in the markets of sort of very early stage risk. So the way that I would characterize our investments and sort of the moniker that we look at is that we look for venture upside with growth equity surety. So that's what we've sort of built this model around is that you're able to, with this ecosystem of of clients, strategic investors, you're validating the demand for companies that you're investing in. And because your investors are very often also potential customers for the companies that you're investing in, you're able to have a, a clearer view on a ramp of demand for your services. So it's it's an accelerator um, for sure, but you know, accelerators also have market connotations, right? So I think that just worth clarifying, you know, incubators tend to connote very early stage companies, early stage risk. Um, we look for more surety in our investments and we ensure that surety through a robust diligence process in our consulting engagements. With respect to the companies that you are focusing on helping and acquiring, what type of companies are they? Yeah, so they're they're typically software-enabled services companies, Ashley. So, you know, we're we're not looking at pure SaaS. Um, a lot of the investment hurdles and the risks attached to those, from our perspective, are very high. Um, you know, we specifically invest in businesses that augment human capacity at work, right? So it's making you healthier, helping you learn more, helping you grow, having a more fulfilling experience on the vectors of health and development through the workplace. So think of that as where we play. And more specifically within the the where we play, 
we believe that software enabled services are are moaty. You know, they have a, a moat around them per se. And you're not going to get the same multiples, but we believe that it's a little more secure from that perspective. SaaS obviously can have some really, really nice returns, but we believe that there's more surety in businesses that have significant software, um, but also have a human element in its delivery. So companies that would target sort of a 65% gross margin ish, right? As opposed to SaaS, which you know would be much higher and services, pure services would be much lower. And so, um, and I know it's, these are all general terms, um, but for our listeners that are used to thinking about venture equity um, in these terms, would you say you kind of focus on companies that are looking to raise around a Series A, a Series B, a Series C? You said 30 to, I think, 300 million. Uh, was that the, the, the size of company that you're looking at? So those are our consulting clients. Um, okay. So again, the consulting clients, think of them as our partners in diligence, right? And we earn the right to that partnership by helping them grow their core businesses. So, you know, an example, you know, from from our past would be, and I'll speak in general terms here, you know, a, a company that works with mental health practitioners and publishes clinical assessments to assess mental health across a variety of different conditions. So this company had a little over a hundred different products. Um, and again, this was a either a digital or a paper assessment that you go through, answer all these questions, has branching logic from there and you know helps a clinician assess you against a specific condition. So we helped a company like that grow their core business. And then we look at their vendor networks. And for this one, we ended up looking at a vendor that they were partnered with that was a corporate wellness company, basically provided health management programs for mid-sized employers. And we got to invest in that company. So going back to your original question, Jay, about which round, right? That company, you know, was in that range of revenue that we were talking about that we target. So two to seven range and had never raised outside capital before and has not raised it since. So we target strong minority positions in businesses that uh, haven't been tainted by the venture world, right? You're not looking at companies that went through an accelerator and have some onerous warrants that have a really low cap on them that prohibits how we can invest. They're not on this hamster wheel where you know there's a a requirement of the next round, right? That continuum of friends and family, C, series A, B, C, you know, take a secondary, help the the founder get some liquidity. We're we're really focused on companies that have sound fundamentals, um, again, validated demand such that we can accelerate them with a very capital efficient ecosystem and you know make the most of our equity as well. Does that help? Yeah. This acceleration, um, Jayton, is it, I mean, I'm sure it varies by company, but an average type of acceleration in, within your model, what's the timeline for something like this? Yeah, so uh, our targets, you know, around how long we'd want to hold a company, you know, they're, I would say they're in a 
a five-year mark. So traditional for for what you would look at in, in growth. But because we're having the additional acceleration of those assets, so let me try to make that more tangible, right? You have a company that has really strong IP, wants to, you know, accelerate their development and, you know, what might be more of a service-oriented business, they want to become more of a productized service where they're able to build a bunch of systems that allow them to go through the same client, deliver the same offering with 50% less human capacity, right? So the the same person can do twice as much work because of a software system that you've been able to build to help augment that. That company could go out and hire a CTO, a director of engineering, a couple engineers, a quality assurance analyst, and a range of people. That stack of human capital can be pretty expensive and also comes with a lot of failure risk. Um, we all know in these markets how coveted really strong employees are. And what we're able to do is at a company that's in an earlier stage of its growth, not just give them capital, but give them access to human capital as a right, not an obligation. But you know, most of our portfolio likes to leverage that benefit that we offer, and that helps them get there faster, right? So if that target is five, actually, we can look to accelerate that significantly because you don't have to go through the the rigmarole, the pain of, you know, hiring, rehiring, structuring teams, you know, all the all the things that you need to do when you're scaling a business. There's a lot of back and forth that I think we save our companies. So the goal is really to provide those auxiliary services um, so that the companies can grow and get to the point where they can eventually bring those in-house at some point before whatever liquidity or, or, or exit yeah. event that they have. Um, and so yep. uh, at, at some point, it sounds like um, they kind of, I don't want to say outgrow, um, but they they become self-sufficient and, and they can take on those responsibilities themselves and kind of enter the next phase of their their, their corporate life cycle. That's the dream, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So... In terms of industries, uh, can you talk a little bit? I mean, I, I don't want if you're not comfortable mentioning specific companies that, that you've invested uh, in and with and work with, um, like specifically, I think you mentioned healthcare. What other industries are you kind of specifically focused on? Yeah, so the two major categories, and again, to be clear, this is all under the umbrella of the workplace, right? So when we talk about healthcare, it's going to be about healthcare as it's delivered through employers, you know, wide range. So you can look at fully insured, you know, mid-market or self-insured larger companies as well. But those companies, you know, design unique healthcare programs. They work with primary care in unique ways. They develop innovative programs with telemedicine. Um, so there's a wide range in that arena and it's constantly expanding, right? So, you know, as you all know, as entrepreneurs with, with your own enterprise, right? For the the people who, who work with you, um, the role of employers in providing care has significantly increased, and in particular over the last few years, right? If you take a look at the, 
the pandemic until um, how many of us are dealing with childcare issues, with elder care issues. Um, you know, there's a an HBR article on the sandwich generation that really talks about the unique pressures of, you know, the the core of our workforce today, and those benefits that surround healthcare are are pretty expansive. So that could include home health, childcare, could include unique urgent care benefits, things like that. So it's a it's a pretty broad space when you look at that healthcare continuum, Jay. The other side of it, so health on one side, performance on the other, that's really more around employee learning and development. So how people are able to augment their capacity at work, how they're able to just do better more consistently and be able to, in many of these businesses, create more value for themselves as well as for the businesses that they are a part of. Are you focusing on companies that are uh, located in close proximity to Archetype's headquarters, or are you looking across the country or the world? What does that look like? Yeah, so we're the United States, um, so not just Philadelphia, which uh, you know, we, we love through and through, but you know our, our clients are all over the country, as are their vendor networks that, that we invest in. So you know, if you look at our portfolio, you'll see some, some good geographic dispersion. There is a concentration you know, in this area just because it is where we're located, but you know, it's, not a, uh, it's not an exclusivity. We generally just look for, for good companies, location agnostic. Makes sense. And so for the most part, um, the services that you provide, um, the folks that are actually responsible for providing those services are matrixed over your companies. Um, and are they typically co-located with the company or are they all over and, and for the most part work remotely? Um, what is what is the structure there from a physical standpoint look like? Yeah, it's a great question. So we have two offices, one in Philadelphia and the other is in Hyderabad, India. Um, a lot of our product management and software development centers of excellence are located there. And you know, for the for the most part, people are in relative proximity to one of those two centers. But you know, we're not requiring people to to be in the office. Our view has really been around prioritizing connection. So for each team member, connection to their work, having it be meaningful, exciting, engaging and to their colleagues. You know, from that perspective, it's really just about creating the environment that people want to come into, making it exciting, fun, challenging, great learning environment. You know, I, I think that those requirements in there to be in, um, that's not a, a philosophy that we've we've espoused. We really just look to create magnetism in our work that looks to bring people in. And uh it's been it's been successful. Awesome. Um, what is, what's the, the future of Archetype look like in, from a, a growth perspective? Um, so are, are, you, um, are you looking to change anything over the, the next several years or basically um, continue with the same plan, just, just scale? I think the latter. You know, we've, we've been around for 10 years, Jay, before we had a, a formal fund model that was you know, investing off of, a, off of a personal balance sheet. And seeing the momentum from that model opened up to the broader marketplace, which you know creates significant benefits for us as well in terms of being able to 
have more deal flow, create more scale and share in the model and its upside. So it's continuing on this model. We're obviously like any business going to continue to learn and evolve, but we're, we're excited about this niche that we've carved out and you know, continuing to, to push in this lane. Well, we're now at the part of the show where we ask all of our guests the same three questions. So hopefully you are ready to go <laughs> with these three. The first being, okay. what new thing have you recently invested in or are currently researching? Either your company or you personally. Yeah, so one of the areas that we're significantly interested in is in home health. You know, if you look at the the overall projections in the market for care provisioned in the home. I think in the next half decade or so, you're looking at upwards of 380 billion. It's a big market and it's one that's going to create a lot of, lot of opportunity. Um, so it's a space that we're, we're consulting in, that we're exploring investments around, and we have some exciting things brewing. Awesome. I'll take the next question. And maybe this is a softball given our current economic uh, uh, situation and, and the recent passage of the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. Um, but what current legislation or economic system, uh, situation would you say poses the greatest threat or risk to the uh, to your business right now? Legis- repeat the question for me. Legislation or market conditions? Legislation. Sorry. Or economic situation that 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 uh, that poses the biggest risk to, the, to to your business or your your uh, your investments. Yeah, look, I think a down economy hurts most businesses, right? I think that there are some businesses that that do well in those arenas, and from our perspective, human capital, right? Businesses are going to continue to need people, going to need to continue to treat them great, give them the opportunities to grow. So we feel. We feel very comfortable in that space. And overall, the down economy, I think, will, will hurt all businesses. So we're tracking that. But generally, we're, we feel good about where we're at. And the last question is, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Oof. Um, personal or professional? <laughs> Anything. Whatever you think. You know, this is, a, I guess, a, a personal anecdote. My father was was diagnosed with cancer in 2014. Stage four lung, just a a real just intense moment for for our family, right? When you kind of think about someone who you're so close to and who you love going through, you know, what what at that time was a few months that they had given him to live. And it was something that I watched him like anyone you you're hit with shock up front, but he sort of quickly got into a flow around it. And the advice that he gave me when I asked him, how are you handling this so well? He sort of spoke about events and life with the analogy of waves, which is a common Buddhist analogy that that people put out there, right? Um, And his point was that you observe your emotions, you observe the waves that are going on, and you don't try to to fight them, right? So if you're building a business, if you're doing life, you're going to go through tough times. Uh, you're going to have sentiment that 
comes from those tough times. But the way that he had shared with me to be able to manage that is to observe that this is frustrating or this is scary or challenging. You know, you don't get too high or too low on it. You observe the emotion, try to preserve equanimity and you know recognize sentiment, but sort of keep your cool. So you know, it's a long answer to a short question, but that's one that's really stuck with me. Yeah, it's a, a great answer though. And, and I have a big smile on my face right now because it, it's like, it's one of those things that um, that's so obvious when you think about it, um, but can really, can really make a difference in your life when you just recognize that there's only certain things you have control over and, and the rest you just kind of have to, to take it as it comes. So, um, okay. So um, for those that are listening that uh, either want to get in touch with you, maybe want to find out more about Archetype, maybe even want to invest with Archetype, um, how best can they get in touch with you or how can they find out more about you and the company? Yeah. I mean, our domain is archetypegrowth.com. Come take a look, reach out. Our contact information is there. And I enjoy conversations about what we do and how we're building this unique model and continuing to to put that in the marketplace. So happy to happy to connect with with those who are interested in learning about us. Well, we thank you so much again, Chayton, uh, for spending the time with us today. If you want to check out more about Chayton and Archetype, make sure to go to archetypegrowth.com. If you want to check out more episodes of the Passive Investing Show, please navigate over to your favorite podcast platform, or you can find us on YouTube. Make sure to like, subscribe, and share. And also, we want to, as always, thank you again for listening. We hope this episode has helped you continue your journey of having your money work hard for you. 